Crave, how we doing? Wonderful. You looking forward to some turkey this week? Are you looking forward to some time off from school this week? Yes. 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 <laughs> well, last week we covered one whole verse. Some said I was lazy for that, so I decided tonight we would cover two verses. Yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 13 and 14 tonight. As you're turning there, I will just tell you this is not going to be a feel-good message. It's not going to be one where there's a lot of laughter or funny stories or clever movie clips to reinforce what we're talking about. This one's going to be pretty tough. And I don't apologize for that, but I do just tell you that in advance. Uh, this is one of those kind of big conversations that we need to have. And my goal tonight is to help you answer the question, what path am I on? And I'm going to give you three key questions for that. So if you're a note taker, you'll see those as we go through the lesson tonight. And I encourage you to hone in on those and ask yourself those questions honestly. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. We'll go ahead and put it on the screen for you. We'll read it together and then we'll unpack it. Jesus says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. This is Jesus talking about eternity. And the thing I would point out to you first is that he says, you can only come through that narrow gate. There's one way to be saved. Now, when you make a statement like that, there's only one way. It's, it's exclusive. And the perception from people on the outside of that can be, that's not right, that's not mean, that's, that, that's mean, that's not fair. Why would, you, why would you make a statement like that? Why would you try to exclude other ways to God? And the reality is, that's what Jesus is saying. There are not multiple paths. We sometimes fall into this line of thinking that so long as someone is a good person and they give genuine service to whatever God they worship, that's, that's fine. That, that'll be enough. God will be pleased with that. It's just not true. Jesus says you can only come this one way. Actually, several other places this is backed up. Acts 4.12 says that salvation is found in no one else. There's one name in all of creation that you can be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. And then elsewhere, Jesus, continuing to speak about himself in John 14, 6, we will put that one up for you, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We just sang about the way. Jesus says, I am the exclusive, one and only avenue for salvation. And we don't like that because it sounds kind, of, sounds kind of exclusive. And it is. There's one way to be saved. We cannot miss that. And what Jesus is going to do in these verses, these just two, he's contrasting these two paths. And remember tonight, we're trying to answer the question for ourselves, what path am I on? He describes a wide path and a narrow path. The wide path, he says, is it's crowded. There's a lot of people going that direction. The narrow path, there's not a lot of people around because few people will ever actually find it. That wide path, it's, it's commonplace. It's, it's something that it's not hard to find, but the, the path to life, it's rare. It's exceedingly uncommon. 
that wide highway to hell, as the Bible says here, it's something that you'll find people on who are self-centered. People who set themselves up as the ultimate person in their life are walking on that path. The people who are walking the path to life, it's narrow, they're Christ-centered. There are lost people and there are found people, and those are the two paths that we're talking about tonight. Now, you may feel pretty confident, hey, I know what path I'm on, but the reality is there may be somebody sitting beside you who's not as confident, and I would ask all of us to take stock tonight because we can fool ourselves into thinking that we're found when really we're lost. You can think, I do more good things than bad. I I come to church. I don't cuss that much. I don't get involved in as much of the really, really bad stuff that everybody at my school does. I must be saved. I know like three Bible verses. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Knowing a few Bible verses does not mean you are saved. It doesn't mean you found this path to life. You have to honestly take stock of where you are. I think we can also fall into the trap of believing that everybody on this highway to hell is like overtly evil, just the worst people in all of history. Hitler, Osama bin Laden, like we would say, yeah, those people are certainly on the path for destruction. It's easy to tell that when I look at their life. Sure. But the reality is I think most people who are walking that highway to hell that's broad, that's crowded, that's packed, they're just people who are self-centered. They're not necessarily out there doing the most evil, awful things. They're just not following Christ. You've got to take stock of where you are. So that first question I want to ask you to think about is, do I look like the world? Do I look like the world? When you look at your behavior, your words, your actions, the way that you conduct your life day to day, Does your life look different because you know Jesus? Not just on a Sunday afternoon when you come to Crave. And listen, I love that you're here. I hope that you'll continue to make Crave a priority in your life. But the other six days of the week, does your life look different because of Jesus? If it doesn't, I would tell you, I don't know that you're actually walking this narrow path that leads to life. You may, in fact, be on this broad path commonplace, overcrowded, populated, highway to hell, destruction, away from God. If I followed you around for a day and I just watched you, kind of creepy to think about, right? Old, bald man walking around following me. But if I watched you, would I be able to tell that you have a relationship with Jesus? Like, would it show up in the way that you address your parents? in the things you text your friends, in the way that you interact with your boyfriend or your girlfriend? Is your life different because of Jesus or do you just look like everybody else? You just do the same things because you want to go along to get along. And listen, nobody wants to get picked on for standing out. But if you're more caught up in looking like everybody else and not looking like Jesus, I would suggest to you perhaps you've not really found that path to life. Maybe you've been at church and you've had an emotional experience and you cried that one cry night at camp and maybe you've even been baptized and maybe your parents have been here since you were in the womb. None of those things make you a Christian. You can absolutely be headed for destruction 
and have all those things and go, no, I, I definitely know Jesus, but maybe you really don't. We'll put a reference up on the screen for you. We're not going to read through all of it. Matthew 13, 1 through 23. This is a story I would encourage you to go read on your own time. This is the parable of the soils. Jesus says that a farmer goes out to scatter seed, and he describes the four different places that this seed lands. He says some of it lands on the path. It's immediately snatched up by a bird. It's carried away. It never even has a chance to take root. Some falls amongst the thorns, right, and it gets choked out. Some falls on some shallow soil and it doesn't really have roots and so it does not endure. And then some falls and it produces fruit. Now people look at this parable and they will debate how many of these groups of people are actually saved? How many of these people are actually following Jesus? You would go, clearly the one that it gets snatched away, Jesus says it's been removed. The enemy comes, that person is, is lost. So for sure that one. And then there's fruitful, it bears abundant fruit, we would say, yes, this is someone who knows Christ. But people will debate about those, those middle two. If you go read in this parable, Jesus says, the shallow soil with no roots, that's emblematic of somebody who, the first time there's any adversity in their life, they just, they give, they, they give up. So I'm going to follow Jesus, but the minute it gets hard, I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore, it's too hard. And he says, the thorny soil, that's somebody who, it begins to come in and, and choke out the life. Basically, it's a problem of priority. So you get really excited, you're like, I'm going to follow Jesus, yeah! Oh, but, you know, I've got my AP assignment, and I've got my friend group who's doing that thing, and I've got my boyfriend or my girlfriend, like, I just got a lot of things going on, and Jesus becomes further and further back in your priority list. And I would tell you, looking at both of those middle soils, Neither one of those people are saved. They're just not. So when you look at the four soils and 75% of what Jesus describes is someone who doesn't actually know him, that should make us wake up and go, ooh, I need to take stock. I need to think about where I am. Because I'll tell you honestly, I think there are a lot of people in church, this church, in this room right now, you're good people. You do mostly good things. You're a good kid. That's how your parents describe you that way. Your aunts and uncles, we, your adult leaders here are like, yeah, it's a good kid. But you don't know Jesus. You're lost. He's not a priority to you and you have no roots. And I, this, is, this is the honest truth. My greatest fear, my greatest fear for you is that you would go through your whole life thinking you know Jesus and in the end realize you didn't. I don't ever want to give you false assurance. I don't ever want to pat you on the back and just, yeah, for sure you know Jesus because I don't know. Only you know this about yourself. Only you know the path you're really walking. And so I want you to ask these questions tonight. Do I look like the world? Do I just live like everybody else? Because if you do, I would contend perhaps you're not on that path to life. Question two I want you to ask is, who does my life honor most? Who does my life honor most? Who's most important to you? When you invest your time, your money, your resources, your effort, your energy, your thoughts, who's number one? Who does your life honor most? I would tell you, as we think about these two paths, 
The people who are walking the path of destruction, the person that their life honors most is probably themselves. It's not hard to be selfish. It comes baked in. If you ever watch little kids, and I'm starting to live this in my own life, you'll, you'll watch a little kid playing with a toy, and another kid comes up, and they take it from them. What's that kid going to say? Mine. Mine. And they're going to snatch it back. That selfishness comes built in. That's, that's something that we don't have to be taught. We're selfish people. We orient the entirety of our lives to suit us. If we're honest, most of the time, we don't want to be inconvenienced, not for the sake of really anybody. And so if the person that your life honors most is you, that's who you worship. Now, you may not say, I worship myself, I sing songs to myself, I bow down and pray to myself. No, but you're worshiping yourself if you're the most important person in your life. Someone who's on that path to life, the most important person in, in your world is going to be Jesus and it's a vast difference when you set yourself up at the center and expect everyone to orient around you versus you trying to orient yourself around Christ and going from there. Where do you spend your time, your money, your resources, your thoughts? It's going to reveal to you who is most important. Now Jesus actually also says, can we put that first slide back up there? I want to look back at Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He says not only is that that path to life narrow. He says it's difficult. The road is difficult. And somewhere along the way, somebody started saying, if you just follow Jesus, he'll fix all your problems. Hey, it'll be easy. It'll be great. It's just not true. In fact, I would say to you, if your life is going perfectly fine, it's smooth all the time, there's no opposition from the enemy, that might make you want to ask some questions. I believe if you are fervently following Christ and you're actually making an impact for his kingdom, you're going to face opposition. The Bible talks about how we wrestle with forces that we can't even see, this spiritual realm. There are things that would come against us. And so if you have ever actually started walking that path to life, and I believe there are people in this room who have, you understand that there's pushback, that you thought it was going to be easy and actually it got much harder. I would say to you, yeah, that's what it's like. That's what it's like. It's going to be difficult. Jesus promises that to us here. And actually, in John uh, 16, verse 33, we'll put that up for you. He tells his disciples that you will have peace in me, but here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows. Many trials and sorrows. If you were like trying to make a pitch to somebody, hey, come follow Jesus, it'll be great. You're gonna have a lot of hard times, um, but I promise you it's worth it. Like, you probably wouldn't say that part, but it's true. If you're following Jesus and you feel like your life has been difficult at some point, just do me a favor, throw your hand up. Look around this room because you're gonna see hands. It's hard. It's hard. It's going to be difficult. Don't let that cause you to walk away. Don't allow that to be what causes your roots to falter and you walk away from Jesus. It's important. It's not going to be easy. I look at 2020. It's not been a great year in a lot of ways. And also, in a different way, it's been a wonderful year. Because if we're going to take James 1 seriously, that every time we face adversity, it's a chance for our faith to grow. James 1, 2 through 4 says that when troubles of any kind come your way, you consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, that's not our mentality. 
most of the time. When something bad happens to us, we go, why me? What did I do to deserve this? And God would have us reorient the way we think to say, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity for my faith to grow. It says when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete. You will need nothing. If ever there's been a year for your faith to grow, it's been 2020. Has your faith grown this year or have you shrunk back? Have you shied away? Have you decided, no, this is just too hard? What path are you on? Last question. Am I ready for eternity? Am I ready for eternity? I would challenge you to really think on this one. When you go home tonight and you finally stop scrolling endlessly on your phone and the lights are turned out, ask yourself this question. Am I ready for eternity? Am I ready for what comes next? Does death scare you? I know that's a morbid question. Nobody wants to die, but the reality is all of us one day will leave this earth. It's going to happen. And when that happens, you will stand before your creator. You don't have to believe that's true. You don't have to believe that the sky is blue and the grass is green, but those things are true. One day, you, yes, you, not just the person beside you, you will stand before God. And you'll have to give an account for how you responded to Jesus. Are you ready for that? Or even as I say that, does your stomach start to turn and every muscle inside of you tightens up and you just think, please God, not today, I'm not ready. For a believer, we know that our best life truly is the one that's to come. And we're not so caught up and consumed in keeping this one. Are you ready for what comes next? Because your last breath on this earth is not the end of who you are. You will continue forever somewhere. Everybody will. You'll either end in destruction. The Bible describes it as a place where there's weeping and there's anguish and there's regret. I don't know if you've ever made a decision that you deeply regret, but you just stay with it and you stay with it and you stay with it and it haunts you and it hurts you and you hate it. I think that's a lot of what hell is going to be like. This imagery of flames, will there be actual fire? I don't know, but I, I do believe there will be deep regret and I think we will fully realize all the chances we had along the way to actually claim what Jesus offers us, but we rejected it. Are you ready for what comes next? Do you believe that this life is most important? Because the reality is, if you're lucky, you get 100 years. And we get so caught up in that that we forget that we're going to get hundreds of thousands of years in eternity. But we do this thing where we're not willing to sacrifice now for later. Think about it like this. If I offered you $5 now or $1,000 the next time we were at Crave, I got to believe most of you would say, shoot, I'm going to come to Crave next time and get my $1,000 because you believe that that's actually better than what I'm offering you now. But if I said to you, I'll give you $5 now or $6 next time at Crave, you're like, I'm going to take the five now. It's not really worth it for me to come back. That's how we view life. We go, this life is all I get. This is all that matters. So I might as well take what I can now. No. We believe that what is to come is far better. There's this restoration that's going to take place and we get to be with Jesus forever. Are you ready for that? 
Are you ready for eternity? I want you to consider the words of Christ in Matthew chapter 16. We'll put it on the screen. I'm actually going to invite the band to come on back up. We're going to sing one more song. In Matthew 16, Jesus says to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? I would tell you the answer to that last question is no, there's nothing more important than your soul. But if you try to cling to this life and you're so caught up and so consumed and it's everything to you, you're going to lose true life. And you may in fact be walking that highway to hell, that highway to destruction. The path to life is narrow and few will ever find it. I don't say all this stuff tonight to try to scare you or, or emotionally manipulate you into making some kind of decision. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand tonight. I'm not going to go and be like, yeah, we had like 12 people raise their hand who came to know Jesus. No, I'm not. that's not what I'm trying to do tonight. I want you to have honest, introspective time as we sing this song. And here's what I want everybody to do right now. If you would stand up for me. I just want you to stand. And I, I actually did not prep my adult leaders because I didn't think about this until right now. If you're an adult leader for me, would you do me a favor? Would you spread out all across these back walls and side walls for me? Because you may be sitting there right now and realize, I got some stuff that's not right in my life. I'm not truly following Jesus. I think maybe, in fact, I'm on this path to destruction. I have no idea what taking a step towards life even looks like. I'll talk you through it briefly here, but what I would say to you is during this song, feel free to just go move and talk to one of these leaders. Look at the back of this room. Look around here. We don't pay these people. They come because they love Jesus and they love you and they want you to love Jesus. So if you say, I have no idea what I should even do. I just know I should do something. Go grab one of them. And adult leaders, if they bring something to you that freaks you out and you don't know how to handle it, grab another adult leader. We'll figure it out together. But I would challenge you students, don't leave here tonight the same if you know that you need to make a choice for Christ. It's really pretty simple. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. He willingly gave it up and took your place. Will you surrender and submit to him as Lord? Will you say, Jesus, you get to be in charge. It's about you and not about me. I choose life and not death. It starts very simply there. So let me pray for us. The band will play and then we'll close. God, I pray that you would give each of us clear vision to see where we actually are, to not deceive ourselves, to not lie to ourselves, to not fool ourselves into thinking we're on the path to life when we are in fact headed for destruction. Jesus, I pray that you would move tonight, send your spirit into this place to convict and to lead and to guide. I pray that if there's one person here who does not know you, they would take a step towards you tonight. I pray for my brothers and sisters who do know you but have wandered off the path. I pray that tonight would be a chance for them to say they're sorry and choose you again. God, may we be more concerned with what you think of us than what people around us think. God, give us courage to address which path we are actually on. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.